Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you tune in for the program. Difficult times under the old covenant would seem like kind of the end. Under the new covenant, it just seems like a season. And a season that's going to work out for our good. There are times when life's experience overwhelms us and we suffer a downtime, sometimes even a season of depression. Jeremiah had some of those times, so how did he handle it? Let's find out tonight. Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 20. So down, it's depression. Let's pray, and then we're going to open God's Word. And I tell you now, the Holy Spirit is going to do some things in people's lives. Father, we invite you now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, there are some people here today, and they have grown sleepy in their spiritual walk. Wake them up in Jesus' name today through the power of your spirit, through the ministry flame of your word. We pray that you would speak to people and cause them to once again come alive. And Father, we pray for those that have got doubts that, Lord Jesus, you would speak your word of faith right into them. That, Lord, it won't be the word of faith that counters the doubt. It will be the word of faith that contains the truth. That, Father, it will be the truth that will quench doubt. And, Father, today, for those that are struggling with issues in their life, I pray today that something would be said by the Spirit of God into their heart that will give them the wisdom to navigate so that, Lord, Lord, you can be glorified. That these people here, these precious people here right now, can receive your word by the power of your Spirit to live the kind of life that will be the best life you have for them. And Father, I pray, help me as the preacher right now to open up your word so that, Father, we can receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let it be. Let it be. If you've got your Bible, turn to Jeremiah. We're in chapter 20. We're going to be looking at just a handful of verses from verse 14 down to verse 18. And uh, this is just a, a really bad time for Jeremiah. I tell you what, if I was Jeremiah and this was my prayer and this was, this was me at the end of the whole thing, putting it all together, I probably would have left this out because this, is, this, this reflects bad on Jeremiah. We're going to look at Jeremiah. This is what's an all stuff. This is, this is, as I said, if this was an episode in my life, I wouldn't want you to know about it. And we're in Jeremiah 20, verses 14 to 18. And this is Jeremiah. When you read what he, what he wrote in this section, you realize, and you don't need to be a psychotherapist. You don't need to be a GP to realize this man, if he doesn't have depression, he's on the brink. In fact, he is so down, it might as well be depression. And that's what we're going to look at. So down it's depression. But that's not all we're going to look at. And of course, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a need for me to tell you we are in a very depressed society. Here we are with pretty much everything. And we've never been more depressed. In fact, in Tasmania, it's estimated that one in four Tasmanians suffer from diagnosed, a form of diagnosed depression. In fact, we're about to come into winter. You wake up in the morning and go, that's funny, I went to sleep with fingers. Where are they? Oh, here they are, they're still there, I just can't feel them. And there actually is, in Tasmania, increased rates of depression in winter. 
And they've actually, this is serious, they've coined a term for it. It's called seasonal adjustment disorder. People feel SAD. They feel seasonal adjustment disorder and they feel sad. It's for no other reason than the fact that it just gets, the the days get shorter, it's gloomier, it's colder, and it, it affects us in Tasmania in particular. But we're not the only ones. In America, the rate of depression is something like across the nation is one in five people are either diagnosed with clinical depression or, or are on some kind of medication for depression. So we are, we are, we are a depressed. This is depressing, isn't it? It's, there are so many people who are battling with depression. So I want to look at this because I think it would be the 800-pound elephant in the room if we never addressed it, if we never talked about it. Now, today we live in, a, in an age when it is possible to, with the right medicine uh, to, to counter some of the things that the, the brain will release you know, in the, or not release endorphins and chemicals. And we can now pharmaceutically counter that to bring people up to zero. And, and for people who are really battling, there is no shame in that. There's no shame in that. But there are some people that really need a, a, a theological adjustment. And I, and I hope today, as we look at this, so down it's depression, that this is one of the things I want to do. How can we, we help those that we might know that are suffering from depression? I'm not, I, I want us to be able to frame how we respond to this in a biblical way. What does the Bible counsel us to counsel those who are battling with depression? Now, what, what, what leads to depression? What is it? Well, when, when you see no hope, when, when, when there's no hope, when, when hope is lost, despair sets in. Here, this is interesting. There's a number of things that the image of God in man causes us as people to be unique among creation. One is art. We, we're created in, the, in that, that image of God that wants to beautify things. But we're also created an image of a God who has passion and emotion. And so we, like no other creature, can, can have hope and aspiration. Things can get tough, but that's okay because we know they'll work out. We, we, things can get tough and we lose that aspiration, we despair. We, we, we have the potential to despair. And that's when depression can set in. So read with me Jeremiah's state of mind. We, we're in chapter 20, verse 14. This is what it says. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. You know right there, there's a clue. This guy's having a bad day. This guy is, is not feeling on top of things. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day in which my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Next verse. Cursed be the man who brought news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. The, the announcement of, a, of the arrival of a son was, a, was an occasion for tremendous joy. So for Jeremiah to say, Cursed be the man who even brought the news that I was born. This is a shocking thing for him to say. So he's really not in a good frame of mind. 
verse 16. Let the man, let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon. Verse 17. Because he did not kill me in the womb. Oh boy. Oh boy. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow? Verse 18. And spend my days in shame. Wow. You you got the idea? He's not doing too well. You ever met people in this frame of mind? I have. You ever, I'm not going to ask the question, don't want to see your hand, but have you ever been in this frame of mind? I reckon I probably have come close. This is a, this is a really, really bad place to be. Now you may be here today and you may be very, very close to this. Very close to this. Let's see if we can unpack this. Now, what was it? What was it? If you think this through, and, and, and here's a thought. Many scholars believe that before verse 13, this section from verses 14 to 18 actually fits in in the bits we've just been looking at. Well, what, what is it that's led Jeremiah to go way beyond just sadness? If, if you think that depression is just a bad case of sadness, um, you, you, you either have never been depressed or you don't know anyone who's depressed. It's way beyond sadness. It's, a, it's, it's a, a thing that you just, no matter how much you self-talk, come on, snap out of it. It just, it just doesn't work. And it's, it's just dark and hopeless and you just don't see a point. And Jeremiah is in that zone. And, and if we come back into that episode that we've just seen, you remember Pashur, Magal Mizabib? This is the guy, terror on every side, who's just confined Jeremiah, put him in prison. Jeremiah is going, his, his, his world is like this. Hang on, I serve God. God is good. God is all-powerful. If I serve a good, all-powerful God, things will go well for me. Nothing will ever go wrong. This is a reasonable equation, I would have thought. And so did Jeremiah. But here he is in prison. Not only is he in prison, he's being accused of being a false prophet. And what has he got to back it up? Because Jeremiah's saying, you're going to be invaded by the Babylonians. They're going to come in and they're going to destroy the city. Oh, yeah, Jeremiah, says his critics. And it hadn't happened. And they go, that's enough. That's it. We're locking you up. And now Jeremiah is probably uttering this prayer. What's the point of me being alive? That's what he's saying. That's how we sum up that whole prayer. What's the point of me being alive? I should never have been born. Firstly, thank God that he was. And if you're here and that's how you think, thank God you were too. Thank God you were born. Thank God. This world is a better place because you're in it. Now, think about what had been happening to Jeremiah. Here he is in prison. He can't exercise. He can't see daylight. You know what happens when you end up in a room? This is going to sound like a kid on a computer all night. 
where you just are in a room and you're not moving and you can't see daylight. It's all, it could also sound like someone in a casino. No windows in a casino. Very, very deliberately to mess with your mind. Here's Jeremiah. No sense of daylight. Doctors will tell us that's vitamin what? D. Vitamin D. Um, no exercise. What's that going to do to your whole body chemistry? The technical term is mess it up. I don't know what the street term is, but it will. It will mess. So this is Jeremiah. Adding to that mix discouragement, which is, I thought this would happen, and this happened, and the gap is called discouragement. Throw that into the mix, and now you've got Jeremiah going. Cursed be the day I was born. It's interesting that in the very beginning, God came down to Adam in the cool of the day and walked outdoors with him. Interesting, daylight, walking with him in the cool of the day and walked with him, it says. Something very simple, not simplistic, simple about exercise and daylight. <laughs> And God did it with Adam. It seems like a regular event. Good for your health. Jeremiah is in a prison. You know, when you're in a prison, you feel like, hang on, i got no say in my life right now. I am completely out of control. And that's the outlook depression gives you. I've got no control. I've got no say in this. I... I I'm, I'm just not in control anymore. That's how Jeremiah was feeling. Now, I want you to think, un, under the old covenant, <clears throat> Jeremiah was not the only one that Scripture records prayed prayers like this. There's two others that I'm aware of, immediately aware of, who prayed prayers like this. One was Job, probably no surprise to anybody. The other one was David. David prayed like this too. David prayed like this. David, the one who said, blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. You know, this guy, David. And isn't this interesting that, that in the Psalms we have the record of men and women who, who had incredible highs and incredible lows. And it's all there. It's all recorded. And here's David, Job. In fact, what Jeremiah is praying is a verbatim quote from Job. And, and, and here's a way that David addresses it. And David is going to give us a principle. And the principle is this. When you're on a spiral down, stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Psalm 42, verse 11, it, it says this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You get the picture? David's now talking to his soul. Hoping God, David says to himself, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David is speaking to himself and he is choosing to speak the word of God into his soul. The number of times when I've got to refresh my mind and my soul and my heart about God's word, just 
to keep going. Now, here's a clue. How can we help those? Someone comes to us, and maybe they don't come to us. Maybe we just see the telltale signs of depression. What are they? Sullenness. Withdrawing. When you feel depressed, you feel sullen. You don't see a point. You don't try much at anything. You withdraw. And this is how we as a church can care. When we begin to see this, don't think, why doesn't our pastor do anything? Because maybe I don't see what you see. Maybe you have a better opportunity to connect with someone than I do. So this is how we, as a family, can help those who come into our family who are afflicted with the blight of despondency, sadness, depression. Give hope. You know, when, when I talk with people who are really down, they see no hope. They say, I, I, my spouse has left me. I've lost everything I own. My employer's just sacked me. I can't see any point to going on. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Here's some words of encouragement. Jesus said, Matthew 28, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Just that thought, just that thought can help me get through anything. I may never hear the Spirit of God speak to my soul again till the day I die. But with that word, I can make it triumphantly. I can get there. Just with that, just with that, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Someone who's feeling that way, you know, Jesus says he's going to walk with you. He's going to take you by the hand. He's never going to leave you. And on the other side, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the comforter. He will get you through. He will get you through. Can we create a culture in this church where we do that for people? Can we have a finger? Do we want a finger wagging, snobbish elitist? You're under depression. Well, you obviously don't have enough faith. You need to come on up to our level of faith. What the heck? That is rubbish. If I so much as hear that, I will be laying hands on that in an apostolic fashion. The fivefold minute. <laughs> We don't want that attitude here. We want an attitude of compassion, an attitude that says, hey, look, Jesus said he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. But you don't know the troubles I've got. Hey, 1 Peter 5, 7, man, I cling to that one. 1 Peter 5, 7, you know, I've written about this. This is one of my two life verses. Cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you just that thought there is someone who cares for you in the midst of your of all that you're going through he cares for you wow that'll get me through wow you see under uh, under the old covenant the, the, there wasn't a whole lot of grounds for hope under the new covenant there is and we'll We'll look at that. You see, 
David, Job, Jeremiah, all said, oh man, what's the point? I should never have been born. What was happening to them? Troubles, trials, all kinds of stuff. What happens in the New Testament? We've got persecution, we've got trials, we've got tribulation. And what do the apostles do in the New Covenant? They fall on their knees, they lift their hands to God in prayer and they go, Oh God, we are so thankful, thankful that you counted us worthy to suffer for your name. Oh God, thank you. When was the last time you thanked God for that? And I look at that and go, are you for real? What's this? Giving thanks to be counted worthy to suffer. Why? Because what happened? Old covenant. The old covenant, there was no, the, the, the glass was very dim. What was ahead? New covenant. It's been cleared a bit. And the apostle Paul could say this. I don't even think it's worth comparing the sufferings in this world with the glories that await. Oh man, bring it on. Bring it on. You shall reign with him, he said, if you are prepared to suffer with him. The the new covenant just puts a whole new different slant on difficult times. Difficult times under the old covenant would seem like kind of the end. Under the new covenant, it just seems like a season. (laughs) And a season that's going to work out for our good. And that's why I think... In order to be a church that's going to be an enduring church, a compassionate church, we need a good theology about this. We need a theology that's not stupid. And there's plenty of stupid theology out there that says, hey, God is so good that, that you know, you, you'll never get sick. You'll never go without. Nothing bad will ever happen as long as you walk with God. Yeah, glory. Can I hear three amens and a hallelujah and... You're not getting all excited about that, are you? But, but there's about seven Christian television stations on the satellite and that's pretty much, you can just spin the dial and that's what you'll hear. And it's rubbish. I know I'm not being very clear and I'm holding back a bit, but it's, <laughs> that's not good theology. Good theology reads epistles that were written in a prison cell where Paul says, I'm in chains. Well, that's obviously because you've got sin in your life, Paul. If you had gone to our seminar, Three Steps to Overcoming Any Difficulty, you would n- and bought the DVDs, you would never <laughs> and sown a seed faith gift, then... Praise the Lord. So how can we as a church create a culture where we gather and nurture and care for people who are battling? People who are battling in this area don't want to. We can bring godly encouragement from God's word. I've given you some scriptures that I think are really, they've been really helpful for me. And, and I would hope that we can, as a church, bring encouragement from God's word. You see, sometimes we think of encouragement. I remember being at a tennis final where we had three men, three ladies, and our ladies were really bad. I mean, some people can play tennis. I don't know what they were doing. And I'm sitting there and I'm, ready, and I'm ready to clap. And they're getting thrashed. And one of them comes over to me and says, this is all your fault, you know. She, she, she said, come on, if you'd only encourage us, we could do better. I'm going, I really want to encourage you. Give me something to encourage. <laughs> Godly encouragement <laughs> is when we're, we're, not, we're not 
going to call what is bad good. Hey, I'm, I'm doing really bad. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, well, okay, you might be, but don't lie. Hey, yeah, look, it's tough right now, but this is what God wants you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things that you're worried about. Matthew 6, 33, I hope you're writing these down. All of these things Jesus will take care of. Come on. Now, that's biblical encouragement. You see the difference? You're actually filling someone with courage to do something. That's encouragement. So you can help people to do what Jeremiah actually did. If we, let's finish this up. We take this, this section, 14, 18, and we actually put it in before 13. Now I want you to look at what Jeremiah is doing in verse 13. Because this is actually where he probably finished up in, in chapter 20, verse 13. And, and Jeremiah here is giving thanks to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. He's thanking God. He's praising God. One of the remedies for being sad, despondent, depressed, is to begin to become thankful. Have you ever stopped and done this around the family meal table? Tell me three things you can be thankful for for today. Changes your perspective. We do this with our kids sometimes. Highlights, lowlights. Tell us, tell us what you can be thankful for. So, encouraging people to be thankful. Now let's finish up. Here's Jeremiah going, Cursed be the day I was born. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father that he got a son. Cursed be my mum. I should have died in my mother's womb. My mother's womb should have become a grave. I'm not worth anything. My life doesn't count. That may wash in some other religions. That's not Christianity. Christianity is everyone matters. If there'd only been one person on the planet who'd sinned, Jesus Christ would have come and died for that one. One person. And here's the finishing point. Every person matters to God. Every person matters to God. And you may be here and you may not believe that, but it is what God's word says, that he knows you, he loves you, he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, I ask now for every person here who is battling, perhaps with some of these issues, that, Father, today you would fill their heart with hope, you'd fill their heart with encouragement. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church to be the kind of church that is going to be a nurturing, compassionate, caring church. And now, Lord, I pray, help us to live out your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Doing the hard yards, navigating the down times. It's not the end. This too will pass. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, So Down, It's Depression, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. 
Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.